Hello and welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe to your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, let's get started with today's episode. We are going to cover something that our audience loves to discuss, something they keep coming back to, something that they believe that they are doing but yet find themselves not doing, or rather they're doing the exact opposite thereof. And it starts to feel, to go back to the theme behind my own book, like that movie Groundhog Day over and over again. So people find themselves working in their business instead of on their business. Now, I have folks that I know, including one of my clients, who has two in-the-business days and three on-the-business days. And he is strict about which days are in the business days and which days are on the business days. I know somebody who does work only in the business because pretty much everybody else on his team does the on part or vice versa. I actually get a little bit confused with those sometimes, even though this is an area of my study. But the good news for you is we have somebody here today who's going to help us bifurcate this distinction between in your business and on your business and get you on the right side of that 80-20 or 90-10 or whichever version of Pareto's you subscribe to. His name is Josh Fonger. He is the founder of Work the System. He's a business performance architect. He's an international business consultant, coach, and speaker. He's had the unique experience of personally helping hundreds of business grow simply using what he calls the WTS method, work the system, WTS. His specialty is taking stressed out entrepreneurs from working in their business to working on their business. Ah, so that's the right answer. Using systems so that profit and freedom become a consistent mechanical reality. So Josh Fonger, come on in. The weather's fine. (laughs) Excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I just read off your very impressive bio. And by now, we have some people who are watching or listening, and they're leaning in, they're opening separate browser tabs, they're binging the Yahoo out of the Googles, looking to discover who this Josh Fonger guy is. That's spelled F-O-N-G-E-R. You're welcome. Or looking up to this website, workthesystem.com. So while we have that going on, and people are getting to know you from your image perspective, tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion while making a difference for your community, market, and audience. Wow, that's a loaded question. Uh, Well, you know, to start off, I didn't become a business coach, consultant, speaker, on purpose, like that was never my dream. I actually, when I was getting my MBA, I wrote about why you should never hire a consultant, why, why you don't need one actually to be successful in business. So it was definitely not on purpose. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kind of fell into it by need. I started off in the, uh, the um, commercial real estate industry as a project manager developing commercial real estate. And most of you know what happened in 2008. And so 
after that crashed, my world crashed, the only job I could find was being a business coach and consultant, which I didn't think was very valuable. And lo and behold, I get into it and I just fall in love with that. And that was a little over 10 years ago. And I got to just fly around from company to company to company and see the inner workings of what was working and was not working and help them solve problems. And the big issue for me was that I would fix these problems and then keep coming back, right? The, the owners would keep uh, sliding back into their old habits or the culture would keep sliding back or, you know, I'd have to stick with these clients for a long time. And I, I uh, by chance, uh, or by destiny, or whatever you want to call it, Providence, I ran to Sam Carpenter, the author of the book, Work the System, about uh, eight or nine years ago. And he wrote a book called Work the System, which you just mentioned. And he was telling me about this new way of doing business, this idea of documenting the systems, documenting the strategy, you know, encapsulating the best practices of every area of business, which is not very sexy. And most entrepreneurs don't want to do it. But once you walk through this, this method, I was like, well, this, this is really going to work. And I started using it in my consulting. And then he and I, uh, I started working with him as a contractor, then an employee, then a partner, and then an owner. And now I you know, bought him out. And so we've taken this, you know, this trajectory of fixing companies using this method. And it's, it just simply works. And that's, that's my history with WTS. All right. So that's a very interesting story. And, you know, what I discovered is that there is a little bit of, I don't exactly want to use the word controversy, but maybe perhaps a misunderstanding of consultants and why consultants are so important. And I think in a way that might relate in some ways to this in your business versus on your business issue. Just to paraphrase something that I've heard so many times, and this has come from people who work for companies who are employees of the company, they'll say something like, well, you know, it's been funny. I've been recommending to management for years that we do such and such a thing. And management just kept reminding me of my lowly position on the org chart and told me to shut up and go back to work. But then, even though they're paying me my salary, they hire this consultant, $50,000, who tells them the same, to do the same things that I recommend they do. And they immediately think it's a great idea and implement it and give the consultant all the credit. Gee, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> yes, uh, that is true. Sometimes, sometimes that is exactly true. Uh, big part, you know, I don't do it as much anymore, but when I fly into companies, uh, I would interview everybody just like the, uh, what's the movie called office space. Yes. I get all the best ideas, you know, analyze them and then develop a plan of attack. And, um, I think what, what consultants and, and coaches can do is they can bring an outside perspective, certainly outside ideas, outside specialty and expertise, but what they have is they have bandwidth. So they have 40 hours a week plus to dedicate towards fixing that business, whereas everyone else in the company is maxed out. And so you have this new, fresh, fresh eyes, fr fresh blood, and fresh um, skill on actually creating change. So everyone knows what the change has to be, but no one's there to actually uh, be the catalyst for that change and lead that change and manage that change. And so that's a lot of what consultants do. But uh, yeah, a lot of times it's not the consultant's ideas, it's them uh, gathering the best ideas. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fact to that. And uh, going back to the example I gave just a moment ago, I think we also have sort of a bastardization of those terms in the business versus on the business. So here's what I mean by the bastardization and the changing of the definitions is management or senior management may look at that person who already works for them and say, wait a minute, they're in this business. Their job is not to tell us what to do. What, are they going for our jobs? Mm-hmm. 
what, what's going on with this? Are they, are they trying to show up their coworkers? Do they know anything about teamwork? How dare them criticize us when we have 175 years in our boardroom and they're just a department head. Mm-hmm. But the consultant comes in and they're from the outside view. Now I match this to another experience that I've had, and this is with you know, all good coaches have coaches of their own. So I have a coach. And a couple months ago, I was dealing with a little bit of an issue that had to do with how I need to communicate with a certain party on a certain situation in business. So I ran this by my coach and he helped me with the languaging of it and the positioning of it and showed me a better way to communicate the issue that I had thought than I would have thought of on my own since I was the one dealing with it. Key phrase, and I'll come back to it in just a second. Uh, after I did what my coach said, and then one of his phrases is, if first you don't succeed, try doing what your coach told you to do the first time. And I got results that were so positive, they even surprised me. I thought about it and I realized if one of my own coaching clients, because I'm a coach, had come to me with the same problem I went to with, I went to my coach with, I probably would have given that person substantially the same advice that my coach gave me, but I didn't see it for myself. And that's the key point because I'm in the situation. I don't have the the, the same view. So somebody looking from the outside is going to see things outside my tunnel because they're looking from the light inwards instead of out to the light. So in one of the testimonials I gave this coach, I said, look, even if you're really good at what you do, this is why you need a coach because they will see things that you'll miss while you're looking out to the light. They will make you better at what they do. And I think it's the same with consultants. So now that we're moving towards the main topic here, just so that we understand our terms for the rest of our conversation, Josh, if you could define for us the distinction between what it means to work in your business versus on your business. Well, in your business would be um, reacting to the client's needs of the day or the phone calls of the day or the sales of the day. So basically um, providing that service or building that product. And uh, I think it's a short-term uh, thinking, but it's the urgent things. I think on the business is, is the, um, the long-term non-urgent things. That's going to be the strategic partnerships. That's going to be the strategy, building the culture, developing the team, uh, the legal contracts. Uh, investing in the future, getting financing. Those are all working on the business because they're building long-term assets. So working on the business is build the building blocks to scale. Working in the business is, is um, generating the cash today. And I think that um, you have to, in a small business, you kind of have to do both, but it's, I think a lot of small business owners, they never do the work on the business because there's too short-term thinking and, or they don't have vision um, or a lot of things really, but um, that's, that's the trap is if you're always working in the business, you never actually will get above a certain ceiling <clears throat> and different industries have different ceilings on how much money that could be with a, with an attorney, maybe you're making $500,000 a year as a plumber, maybe you're making $80,000 a year, but whatever that industry is, you're going to hit a ceiling if you don't work on your business and you'll be stuck. You know, I think that's, I think part of what happens here is especially when you're what we like to call business creators. And one of the definitions of a business creator, because there are several different definitions that I use when I describe a business creator, because in my opinion, a business creator can be one of several things, is somebody who helps others 
grow their businesses in some way. Maybe you're a digital marketer, maybe you're a copywriter, maybe you're an accountant, maybe you're an attorney. You do something that helps somebody else create and grow their business. But you need that same stuff for your own business. Yet you never seem to get around to your stuff. And the companies who render these types of services that I see be the most successful are the ones that say, look, we got to hire somebody else to do for us the stuff that we do for everybody else. Because if they try and do their own thing for themselves, it's always going to come last because money and revenues and invoices will come first. And second, they only see what's going on in their own business. They are in their business rather because we're staying in the business here and they're not going to have really the vision or the position to be able to be of most effective service to themselves. The other issue corollary to that, in my opinion, I want to get your thoughts on this is because they wield, like if you're that type of business creator, you wield a certain type of hammer and that means that when you're wielding the hammer, all you're going to see is nails. With your different clients, you may see different types of nails, and you may see a few different hammers you can use depending on the situation, but maybe your business needs a screwdriver. You're not going to see that if all you see in your stock room are hammers. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, the owner's time is extremely valuable, and to work on your business doesn't necessarily mean that you personally are doing that. Maybe you have an attorney doing a portion, a bookkeeper doing a portion, a uh, virtual assistant doing a portion. You have different people on your team with different expertise. Uh, they don't even need to be full-timers can work on your business with your oversight. So it doesn't necessarily have to be you, uh, especially if you're the one, the main service deliverer of your service. So yeah, I think it's, um, I think the main thing is that somebody has to be working on the business and you as a leader have to direct that, to lead that and, and to point others to, to doing it. I mean, right now I'm working on scaling my business and I'm a lot of the things that are on the business work. I'm just, I'm hiring a new person right now just specifically to do working on business work. <laughs> you yes. know, documenting some of our systems. I know they're important. I know they need to happen, but my best use of time is being here with you and coaching my clients and training my new coaches to be coaches out in the field. That's my best use of time, not doing the business building of assets, which would be this new assistance time, which is documenting some of our systems and building a training uh, program. I agree with that entirely. And, uh, and we recently launched our new media booking firm, In Demand Expert. And I have a team of people who support me with that, who do pretty much all of the in the business stuff. And that is an area where I work on the business. Now with my private consulting, um, I'm very much in the business in the sense that uh, that's something that I just do with a very small handful of high paying clients. There's only about five or six of them. They pay me gobs of money. And that's the way I like it because I don't want to create a hundred mini atoms to do that work. I don't want to build an infrastructure around it because I actually have brilliance and passion around it. And I really love doing it. I'm not out looking for clients. Uh, they sort of just show up where I cherry pick them if I need one, or if somebody drops off, uh, there's usually somebody waiting to come in. I'm not looking to really grow or scale that side of the business, but I have the other business, the new business, the booking business that is a scalable and ultimately saleable asset. So I'm actually kind of doing both. 
mm-hmm. just depends on where I'm at and where I am at that time of day. And I'm also recognizing as I make adjustments to my own schedule, my own lifestyle to accommodate moving towards being this type of serial entrepreneur that I need to be conscious of everything I'm doing and ask myself, am I in the business or am I on the business? Is it time for me to be in the business? Is it time for me to be on the business? Because due to my hybrid, I kind of have to do both, but I have to be doing the right things at the right times for the right people for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of things to, to sort through. And, but I think what I like about what you're doing is you're uh, diversifying revenue streams. Yes. And uh, you are using your best skill set uh, to get the high dollars and then reinvesting it into something that is scalable. It's when people, they, they have that really high skill, they get all that money in, and they just blow it all, uh, and then they haven't actually built anything uh, of value, an asset, but uh, you're, you're taking your own advice, which is great. Yeah, with, with the consulting side of it, you know, I, I tried scaling it several different ways, several different times. Didn't work out, and I realized that if I'm going to be in that business, as you said, I can only go so far with that. It's only going to get to a certain level. So I've identified what level I want it to be, and I play with it at that level. So the level it is right now is it gets me to be hands-on with stuff I love doing with a small handful of people I love doing it with, and the revenue structure around it is enough to support me. So as far as leverage, scaling, being on a business rather than in the business, I asked this question and answered it is, okay, so this business isn't really scalable. Why don't I start another business that is? And then that also ties into multiple streams of revenue, which is a good place for a business creator to be as far as their overall picture. Mm-hmm. That's how yeah. I look at it. Yeah, I mean, the um, I used to travel uh, 20 days a month consulting. So flying from location to location to location, helping companies with... Um, Inside sales, outside sales, their pricing, the merchandising, uh, you know, building dashboards, and uh, it was good money, but it was it was kill, killing me, <laughs> literally. <Yeah. laughs> so it was horrible. So um, I knew that you had to come up with ways to scale, um, providing help for people, and that re- multiple revenue streams was a good idea. And so I went from that to where we are now, which is um, a mastery club. So people want to, you know, learn, but they don't want to commit a ton, they can be part of a mastery club, which is a low offer. They can buy in our products. They can do um, coaching, group coaching, one-on-one coaching, consulting events. And so there's different options along the way. And then with my certified coaches, they can work with them and those coaches can help them as well. And the idea is um, that I'm not just dependent upon one thing. And when I first started consulting, it was literally, uh, you get paid well, but you have to be working to get paid and that's it. And if you want to take a break, well, you're not going to get paid for a while. And that's not a long-term plan. Yeah. So where I am right now is uh, with my consulting business, I understand that if I'm not here, there's not going to be any money coming in. I get that. So I've structured it in such a way that the money actually doesn't flow entirely consistently. So that when there's an occasional interruption, like if I get sick or I do something really nutty, like uh, take a vacation or something like that. I have the money. It's good. Mm-hmm. But, what is, but what I'm filling in now with the multiple streams of revenue approach is allowing for money to always be there that I don't have to show up for. So I'm creating something for myself that's the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. I think that's what uh, any owner should be doing. Thinking of different ways to monetize their assets, which is either their, their IP, their client list, um, you know, their location. I mean, kind of an interesting story, but uh, there was a karate studio I worked with years ago. And since part of the time that the karate studio wasn't open, they didn't know what to do with it. So they ended up having uh, dance classes in there. And then early morning, they had like some kind of, uh, I think it was like some kind of boot camp fitness class. So instead of just using the space two hours a day, the space could be used six hours a day. And so they were generating more money off of that asset. And I think that you got to think about the things in your business the same way. Your, your list, your clients, your product, your tool, whatever it might be, are there other ways you can still spin off additional revenue with it? Yeah. Now, what's interesting about the Business Creators Radio Show is before we go live, we usually have conversations with our guests, and they give me little teasers, uh, little things they'd like me to cover, uh, things that the audience, you who are listening, can find particularly interesting and may stick in your mind as sort of an aha moment. Now, Josh, you said something to me before we got started here that I found very intriguing and curious. You said there's something called a yo-yo business. So two-part question, what is a yo-yo business? And spoiler alert, you don't want it, how do you break free from it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know if someone else coined this uh, terminology, but uh, I was just thinking of my clients that just could never break free. They were always um, hitting, the, they're maxing out, right? They'd work really hard, they get to a certain length, and then they would go back up. And so like a yo-yo kind of goes up and down, up and down, but uh -huh. it never breaks beyond that string length. And when you keep butting your head against that wall, you know, you, you've maxed out. And so that's the yo-yo business. And I work with them all the time. They, they hit, let's just say half million or 300,000 or $800,000 a year. And next year it's 900, but then next year it's 600. And next year it's 700 and it's 800 and it's 600. And it just kind of floats around there. And it has to do with, um, you know, key employees coming and going, key contracts coming and going, uh, working a lot of hours, but then working less hours, and they're just stuck. And what they need to do is fundamentally change the way they think about their business. They need to have a paradigm shift. And the big paradigm shift we help people with is to, let me say, uh, get outside and slightly elevated and look down on your business as something totally separate from you, a separate entity, and then look at the separate systems of that entity and then get to work on um, scaling those, those pieces, the separate pieces that make up your business. And so most people, they're so um, emotionally, physically, psychologically tied to their business. It's, it's literally their identity that they, they can't even see the, um, have an objective view on their business, kind of like a coach or consultant could have. And they've never really looked at it objectively and so we try to first get them to have that perspective. And once they have that perspective, then it's fairly easy to see the path forward. You know, what would the company have to do to double, triple, quadruple in size? And it's not work harder and it's not, you know, save a percentage here by being a little bit more efficient. It's a, it's a fundamental uh, paradigm shift. And if they don't have that and they don't see that future, they just stay stuck. And, you know, as well as I do, all the bad companies, average companies, above average, and really good companies, they all go to business. I mean, yeah. none, of, none of them last. And so if you want to be exceptional, that, that top 5% that actually makes it and actually can sell your company someday and actually can build freedom, you've got to have a paradigm shift. You have to do things differently than everyone else. And most people, they just, um, 
they just stay stuck without that realization. And it's pretty sad to see because, I mean, they've kind of built their own job. They're slaves to it. And then 10, 20 years later, it's worth nothing. And that's it. You know, and that, that, um, that point where the company dies, it could be when they're, um, you know, the key employee decides to open a new location and, and be the yep. biggest competitor or when they get a heart attack or when they get a divorce or when one of their kids has an issue, you know, there's all these, you know, life issues that will happen to you for sure. And when one of those things lines up as the same time as a bad year lines up as the same time, one of your machines breaks, then you just go under and it happens all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, Something came to mind as you were saying that, and these are all very important concepts you brought up and why the yo-yo business is something we really need to avoid. That's actually the reason why my book is titled Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy. <laughs> the key theme behind all of the components of the spring formula that that book is based upon is applying minimalism to get maximum results. That said, what inspired me to create the project in the first place was my observation in my business and in the business of other people I worked with that it seemed like they got stuck on a certain plateau. So yeah, they'd launch something. Yeah, there'd be a shift in the industry and they'd be positioned to take advantage of it. But something would happen. And even if they went through a growth spurt, a year later, they would be back in that exact same place. Now, maybe their revenues are bigger. Maybe their revenues are smaller. But it seemed like they were making the exact same amount of money from it. What I mean by that is if it was a profitable business, they'd be making the exact same dollar amounts, regardless of the scaling, whether it went up or down. And to these entrepreneurs, it seemed like is that movie Groundhog Day over and over and over and over again. And you made one other statement that I thought was curious is when people focus on, well, I got to put a little bit away for retirement and things like that. And I can tell you candidly, and I've shared this with others, and I've shared this on the Business Creators Radio Show because I like to be real, I'm behind on that. Uh, I was ahead for a while, and then I had to reinvest so much in my business that I lost traction on it. So I'm now way behind. Now, Rather than thinking of how can I scrimp and save and reduce my lifestyle so that I can get back to making the contributions to my plans like I should be instead of this little bit that I do right now just to keep it alive and things like that, what I'm thinking of is uh, you know, I need X dollar amount to get myself back on pace and where I need to be. And by the time I am at an age where I may want to consider retiring or, or going in a different direction, I need to have X amount there to carry me through my actuarial lifespan. So mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about scrimping and saving and how I do a little bit of this, less of this, and, and I give up cigars and I put that money into a 401k or, or figuring out how to, how to manipulate my cash flow to create Roth IRA opportunities and stuff like that. All sound advice for sure, but my mission is, I'm just going to build something and make all the money at once. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you, you know, read our book, work the system, uh, I can tell you that that's Sam's lifestyle. He, um, not that I know all his investments, but he just decided he was going to invest in his business, which was the safest investment. And uh, I can tell you every month in his business, since he had this epiphany, uh, maybe 20 years ago, he's made more revenue and more profit and more personal owner's income every month for the last 20 years and he hasn't worked at all the last five years. So yeah. uh, it just keeps going up. 
And he knew that that had to do with building this business with systems so that it would keep growing and scaling. And um, yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a better, well, there's certainly more leverage there. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket, but it's a pretty good basket to put it in. And entrepreneurs yeah. owners have that special uh, opportunity. Most people don't have that opportunity. Yep. And I have a little something that can inspire listeners as well is I have a colleague who is about 20 years older than me. I'm not going to say his exact age, but he's about 20 years older than me. And he revealed to me that up until the time he was about the age I am right now, he didn't have any savings for retirement. I mean, he was in a position where he would have to work until he dropped dead. And then right around that time, he had a shift in his business that dramatically increased his income. And he just he realized that he was at a place where he was making money hand over fist mm -hmm. and he just started packing it all away. He reinvested where he needed to. At that time he was, uh, he was still unmarried. A few years later, he found the woman of his dreams and he got married and uh, the money continued to come in. He continued to pump it into his uh, retirement and savings plan. Uh, he now has three houses. He lives between them over the course of the year. Uh, he drives a BMW, uh, has a boat and all other kinds of things. And uh, for our regular listeners, when I say he has a boat, it's not the guy you're thinking of, not the guy I mention all the time, it's somebody else. Uh, but he's at a point right now where, you know, eight, you know, dating myself, he's in his 60s and he's still in business. In fact, he recently launched a new branch of his business. But his thing is, is and he said this to me many times, he sees all these things where he has to do all these marketing things and launches and everything else. And he's in a position right now where if he doesn't want to, he just says, no, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Because he has the combination of that working in his favor. And he also has seven different streams of income coming in where by his count, it's been 19 years since he's had a day where money did not appear in his bank account that he did not have to do work for that day. 19 years without a day, without money coming in, even Christmas and New Year's. That's not bad. That's not bad. And that probably what he would say is it didn't happen in an instant. It happened through hard work and building something to last. And yeah. I think people who, people who want to actually grow wealth um, need to be in it for the long game. If they're just thinking they're going to make it in a few months or a year, um, they're really missing out on the opportunity, which is the long game and building things that can provide you that revenue stream for decades. Yeah. Um, a component of his shift was he got to a point where he was positioned to work on his business instead of in his business. That was one of the catalysts that allowed him to dramatically jack up the revenues because he could make money happen without having to earn every piece of it. That freed him up to allow his mind to work more creatively and enabled him to start business after business after business, publish book after book after book, get media, get paid speaking, and everything else that he did to build the lifestyle that he has now, which is a very nice lifestyle. So let's turn this into a question. Josh, you have somebody you're working with, uh, you know, create any hypothetical scenario you want, and you see, you're looking at them and you're saying, wow, they're working in their business all the time. How can we get them shifted from in the business to on the business? Yeah, well, if they first have to want it, most people don't actually want it. They, they're fine being stuck where they are, so they have to want it. And they typically don't want it until something bad happens to them, like one of their key employees dies, like I've had that happen with some of my clients or they have a heart attack or something bad happens. Their wife's getting pretty upset uh, or their husband. Uh, so that has to happen first. And 
in addition to that, they need to have a bigger vision, a bigger vision than just getting by. They need to have a vision that includes passing the business on or selling it or retiring someday or opening new locations. So they need those two things. Then you can start working with them. And the first thing I do after they have this, this, this mindset shift is I have them write a strategic objective. So strategically, where are you going? You know, why are you going there? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? So I want them to have a plan. It's a one-page plan I have people write. And if they have that plan, it inspires them. It clarifies for them what they're supposed to do, what their team is supposed to do. And then all the decisions go through this filter because now they know what true north is and they can actually run quickly in that direction as opposed to just floundering. So that's the first uh, piece, an anchor piece that we help all companies make. And whether you're a solopreneur or you have 100 employees, we do the same thing because that is the, um, that's, that's what's in the owner's head and in the owner's heart. And if they can't get that out into a place where it becomes um, objective and everyone can follow it, because if it's in your head, no one else knows what it is. Um, the company really can't uh, move quickly uh, and assimilate around the same direction. So that's the first piece. Yeah. And, you know, uh, this is, really simple, but I've done this and I'm actually doing it again now. I kind of drifted away from it for a couple of years while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. But now that I know what I want to be when I grow up, I've actually come back to this. Uh, five years ago, I doubled my business revenues in one year. Mm-hmm. And I used a very simple tool and a very simple mindset to make that happen. I identified the amount of money I need every month. Now, let me mm-hmm. clarify what I mean by what I need. Not just, I have this many bills, so I need this much to cover it. I I need this much salary to live on, so I need to make sure that my company can give me paychecks and distributions. I need this much to hire people to support me and all that. Now, how much do I need? So what dollar amount is there that when I'm reaching that every month, both the business revenues and the portion of that that comes to me as as the owner of the business, when do I feel like I'm doing good? And set up a spreadsheet that deducts from that total every month and enter in all of the repetitive expenses and outlays you know are going to happen near the same dollar amount every month and then add in everything that comes up incidentally and then and then program that against the revenues that are coming in now at first you're going to fall way short of the goal so you don't look at that and say oh shoot i'm broke you look at that and say, okay, so now I have the opportunity. I need to put $10,000 more in this model. So that gets you thinking, where's that 10,000 coming from? And then by the second month, you're looking at how much money you have projected to come in based on what you know. And you start looking at how can I make those client relationships more valuable for everybody involved, if you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How can I find new clients? What kind of new clients do I want? What kind of business do I want to do? What kind of things can I have happening that can be causing revenues to come in? Where are my multiple streams? And then on your spreadsheet, you start adding those things as you realize them to the income side. And you find that the bottom line of the spreadsheet at the end of the month, the number that's in red will start to shrink and eventually it'll become a positive number, which means it's that much more money that you made after you realized how much do I need? So seeing it visually allows you to, you can even check in on a daily basis. You can say, well, uh, 
I need $20,000 this month. It is the 10th of the month and I have $6,000 in. All right, cool. So all I need is 14,000. And it gets you thinking about where's the 14,000 more than how am I gonna pay the IRS? Because you're not thinking about paying the IRS, you think about how much money you, you need. Yeah, I would say with uh, most small companies, I think that's the majority of this audience, the, the biggest problem they have is they're just not selling enough, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so um, whatever it takes, whether it's a spreadsheet or having a target or a goal, well, but um, just getting out there and bringing the message up is key. And that, that kind of brings me to a, a quick story. When I first started working with Sam, um, we, um, I needed to make some money basically. And I, I was quitting my other consulting job to start working with him. And I basically said, okay, I need to make at least $10,000 a month personally. Uh, you know, I've got three kids and my wife's not working. So that just needs to start day one. And so we just realized how many clients do I need to make that happen? And we had this plan based on this academy. I won't go to the whole story. And it was supposed to generate way more than that. So no problem but that failed. Like just, it wasn't going to produce the money. And so I knew within one month, it was not even going to be close. And so I was like, okay, well, let's just start sending emails to everybody we know, saying we can do consulting. And that's how we got our clients. And then, you know, as you know, with consulting, you could make decent money. And that was not the original business plan, but the plan had to change when the income wasn't there. And we were just willing to just to make the shift uh, quickly, turn on a dime. And then within 30 days, the, the revenue was there. And then we could start building the other assets that we wanted to build. But along the way, I could keep that, you know, whatever money you need uh, number happening each month. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a good view. Here's another benefit of being more on your business and in your business. I have a pretty good noise canceling microphone, mm -hmm. but our listeners may have heard a moment ago, a motorcycle, a motorcycle zooming by. I don't actually live on the street, but there's a street about a block and a half over where motorcycles tend to run. I'm sitting out on my balcony right now on my laptop uh, using a Logitech headset. So we're doing the Business Creators Radio Show. Uh, we record them using the very popular Zoom platform because we found that it's good for audio quality. We don't film these in video, so I don't have to fix my hair or put on my rouge or even change my shirt or anything like that. Uh, we can have a great conversation. I can stand up and pace around because it accentuates my creativity. And because I have some on the business viewpoints, I think about what really matters as far as being on the business. And on the business, as far as the Business Creators Radio Show means I deliver a quality product, great conversations with people like Josh Fonger, who bring us great value. But we don't have to worry about, oh, we have to make sure the studio is soundproof. And we have to use such and such a mic and hold it at exactly this angle and adjust our chair and our webcam and everything so we get the perfect view and the perfect sound. I think it's more fun when we have guests phone in from the rainforest in Columbia and the time we had somebody who called in and did an interview with us while they were sitting on top of an airport hangar in Tel Aviv and you heard the jets flying over. Those make for better stories, in my opinion. <laughs> well, where I am right now is pretty boring. I'm in my home office. so uh, I have one of those too, but I'm not in it. <laughs> but you might hear my dog barking in the background. I guess that's <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I do do video live streams, my cats are frequent guests. And, the way I, and I've been told, oh, that's so unprofessional. You got to put your cats in the other room. Well, if you knew my cats, you'd know that nobody puts baby in the corner. You either see him pacing in front of the webcam or you hear the caterwauling the entire time. Those are your choices. Pick one. And number two, 
Those cats are my supervisors. They work here. That's funny. So they can be here if they want to be. Now, this is great how we're looking at making this shift. And the reason I brought all that up is because I realized hosting a podcast is an on-the-business activity. And I thought, well, to get the maximum value, where is the maximum value? It's not in having it be a video or having everything just perfect. It's in the uniqueness. It's in the story. It's in how we have a little bit of flow in our conversations. And we tell stories like we've been telling stories back and forth the entire time. And a lot of our interviews like that, I don't give you five questions you have to answer. Uh, when somebody comes on Business Creators Radio Show, um, either they or, in your case, your agent gives us questions you'd like us to ask. And we usually cover all of them, maybe not in that order. And maybe we end up answering them by asking other things. Who knows? I mean, we're going to cover everything that, uh, that your agent uh, wants us to cover here. So uh, let's get to, there's two more things. We have about 10 more minutes here. Let's, uh, let's nail them both here. First of all, uh, tell us, you have this thing you call the systems mindset. Uh, what does that mean? And why is it necessary for business growth? This may take the form of a recap, but I think it's important to isolate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, so the systems mindset is something we already covered. That's the idea of being outside and slightly elevated. So it's that objective viewpoint. And it just ties into our whole method, which is, you know, I can just tell you right now, it's four steps. And people can do it on their own. They can get our book for free at workthesystem.com yep. and, and do it themselves. Uh, actually, literally millions of people have done that. We've had millions of downloads around the world in the different languages. But uh, it's the mindset. It's the strategy, which we already talked about. It's the principles. And then it's the procedures. If you really want to be able to translate, to train, to improve the quality, to improve the speed, to enable your team to to um, get their best practices out of their head on paper. All those things can't happen unless you're willing to document the systems of your business. And so uh, we call it, um, you know, it's for adults only. I mean, so if you're still at an immature stage in business or you still like to just run in circles and you're not ready for running the company like a mature person would, then keep doing that. But once you kind of get burned out and you're tired out, then uh, we recommend people come work with us to make that happen, which is documenting those systems. Yeah, that's great. And then another thing that we want to make sure we take a moment to get into is tell us a little bit more about this work the system method so that people understand where you're coming from. Well, it's, it's based on Sam Carpenter's uh, life. So he developed this method based on owning and answering service. And he was literally working 100-hour work weeks, living at his business, about ready to go bankrupt and about ready to have a heart attack. Uh, and he was the sole custodian of, of two kids. They were living at the business as well. And he, <sighs> he was about ready to you know, end it. And um, he's, he had this dream. And in the dream, he sees his business on a table and on the table, his business is made up of all of these separate pieces. And he had this hypothesis during the dream, which was, if I perfected each of these pieces of my business and I put it back together like a puzzle, would I have a perfect business? And that was the, that was the hypothesis. And then and he was able to you know, get some more money, borrow some money, get some friend, a friend to give him some money and have some clients pay him some money early, keep the business alive for a few more weeks. And he started to work on the separate systems of the business, such as how do you deposit a check? You know, how do you close a sale? How do you answer the phone? How, just all these little things in his business. And that's what he did one by one by one. And each of these things he wrote down gave him, 
you know, 1% more freedom. And then the mistakes started going away. And then his employees didn't leave because they wanted to stay. And then the profit started to go up and then they could charge more because the quality was higher. And it all just happened from this, this uh, shift. And so Sam made this methodology and, and he you know, grew his income 20 times, probably 40 times now. His work week went down from 100-hour work weeks down to two-hour work weeks in a few years. Okay. And that's really the, 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 really the main story is we say he's a regular guy. He has no degrees. Uh, you know, he was at the bottom of you know, the lowest you could possibly be. He was there and the worst possible circumstances, and he could do it. So, so can you. I love that. That's very inspirational. And what I picked up is you said Sam had a dream and he saw all the pieces of his business sitting on a table and he recognized, you know, could he make a perfect business by optimizing these and putting these back together again? And I found that doing consulting work and helping business creators accelerate once they get past the solopreneurial phase and they start bringing in teams, a big piece of that is, and you alluded to this, identifying systems, how to handle a customer, how to answer the phone, how to, uh, I'll give you another example, like uh, we need to create a new lead generator, like a new white paper, a new special report. What are the steps of getting that done? Uh, Who writes it? Who does the editorial? Who does the graphic design? Uh, How have we built constant checking into the entire process all kinds of things and you can get a project management system like teamwork or some other thing and you can build task list templates based on the best you know at the time and who you think are going to have the competencies and the funny thing two funny things happen we discover that those Task templates tend to be type kind of fluid, and like every few months we're making little tweaks as people come and go, or we find new efficiencies, or we find better ways of doing it. And the most interesting thing, and I've seen this happen many, many, many times, is you can take a 25-step process, get it down to four steps, and make it more efficient, more effective, and less prone to error, simply because you take the time to master it. Now, you can document all that in a manual in case you ever need to go back, in case something ever gets missed. But as you optimize these pieces, you find certain things. And also, there are things you can do to reduce the amount of thinking you have to do. That's the other reason why you have task lists. You reduce the amount of thinking you have to do. Like you mentioned answering the phone. There's a way to do that. Well, when I introduce the Business Creators Radio Show, I read a script. Uh... The you know, pieces of what you've seen today are scripts I have literally written out right in front of me that I say word for word. And I've, I'm candid about that. When I do live streams on my business page, I will hold up my notes sometimes and let people see, you know, I've written down all these notes, all these bullet points, all these uh, sections. This is what we're going to cover today. And I found that because I have that stuff in place, it's less I have to think about. Like, I, I know what I need to say. I know the words. We've tested it. We've tweaked it. We've done it different ways. We know what works. We don't have to think about that anymore. We can work on optimizing something else now. Hey, yeah. Well, and you're committed, it sounds like, to making things excellent as opposed to just kind of getting by and haphazard. Yeah. And so it takes a leader to do that. A lot of owners um, aren't willing to push to that level. And so for uh-huh. with Sam, it was about let's make each system perfect. And so uh, at first, you know, for years they weren't perfect, but they were always getting better. And now, you know, statistically no one can touch their, their business in terms of quality, in terms of speed, in terms of profitability. And yeah. they, they were just committed to getting to that level. And they knew that if they document those systems and their team used those systems and they updated those systems, 
um, no one will be able to beat them in terms of operational excellence. And I think that's an important competitive advantage that, um, you know, maybe you don't need it first because it's based on um, charisma, luck, the market, your innovation, kind of that you were able to uniquely get into the market and, and get that place. But over time, you know, this operational excellence is something you can build and it's very difficult for someone to compete with that. I think that uh, when you talk about moving from in the business to on the business, you also have a brain bandwidth issue. What are you using your brain for? And where, where should you be using your brain? And where should you actually be engaging other people to use their brains where that section of the work that needs done is actually closer to their brilliance and their passion? I know nothing of numbers, so I can't do my taxes. I have a CPA uh, who specializes in entrepreneurial small businesses and who is an expert tax planner, because that's another thing you need is tax planning, not just somebody crunching numbers, but somebody to actually help you plan your revenue streams around your tax liabilities so you can get the maximum benefits out of that. And he has two very simple responsibilities. And I've had the same guy for 17 years now. They have no plans on changing him unless he retires. Uh, his, role, his roles are to make sure that my business and me personally remain in compliance with every federal, state, and local law and obligation and take advantage of all opportunities rendered by those tax codes. And the second responsibility is to make sure that I have as little responsibility as possible. That's it. But that's two things I don't have to think about. He sends me paperwork and I sign it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know how much you pay him. Let's just say you pay him $500 a month. Can you imagine yep. how much time it would take you to do that for yourself? Actually, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, um, since you bring that up, this is something I coached him on, and he's grateful to me that I did that. He would send invoices and look for people to send him checks and things like that. I persuaded him to get a merchant account so that he could run credit cards. And then I took him to the next level because with a lot, of his, a lot of his clients, they would, especially small business clients, they would have their big annual returns that need to be done, both the business and the personal. And then when you have a business, you have to do your quarterlies and your monthlies and your, your 941s and your states and your locals and things like that. So I made a deal with him, and he and I have had this deal for about 10 years now, where every month he charges me X amount of money, and it's the same dollar amount. I won't say what it is, but you're actually in the ballpark with the guests, with the guests that you made. Mm -hmm. And I pay that automatically deducted from my debit card to his account on the 15th of the month. Now, some months he doesn't do anything. Some months he does the returns. Some months he does the quarterlies. But in the end, it all balances out. And we also have the understanding if something extraordinary comes up and he needs extra money that he can invoice me and I'll give it to him, but that's never actually happened. So on my end, I don't have to think about paying him. I don't have to think about budgeting for him. And on his end, he knows there's money that's going to come into his account on or about the 15th every month that he doesn't have to do. He literally does not have to lift a finger to make sure that happens. Yeah, it's a great business model. I did the same yeah. thing with my tax advisor. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very smart, uh, smoothing out the curves. And that's, that is how virtually all of my clients are on the same thing as well. And it's easier for them too, just to, just to know that I'm there working with them and we're committed. And, uh, I think it really smooths things out than to have yeah. this disjointed invoicing, receiving, tracking money down, chasing it. It's just, uh, you don't get down to the real work. Yeah. So in his case, so in my accountant's case, uh, that's a difference for him between in the business and on the business. In the business is invoicing and getting paid. Automate that, 
standardize it, make deals with customers where you get the same amount every month. That actually helps with your revenue projections as well. So in the summer months, uh, you know, when, you know, it's after tax season, you want to spend time golfing, uh, you want to relax after you just busted your ass 19 hours a day for four months during tax season. You know that you have six or seven of these clients and you're going to have, you're going to bring in about $8,000 just because they're your clients. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah, it's smart. Yeah, anybody yeah. who has a, a seasonal business should be hopefully taking notes for here because there's always things you could do to smooth out that curve and you know not have those major lulls and find ways to fill those patch those things in. Yeah. Precisely. So, uh, we are actually at the top of the hour here, and I've really enjoyed this conversation, Josh. So, I understand you have a little something for our listeners, and I'd like to turn it over to you for just a moment and share that with us now. Uh, yeah, well, definitely. Well, if they go to workthesystem.com slash BCR, uh, BCR, uh, they're going to have uh, three different resources. I think my, my team has set that up right now, which would be the free book. So anybody who wants to read more, get the audio book or the digital book and doesn't want to pay 20 bucks for it on Amazon, they can go there, uh, workthesystem.com slash BCR and get that book and download it. Also, we have a link to our podcast. I have a podcast as well, uh, having guests who help you make more and work less. And so I do that every week on Fridays. And then lastly, uh, coaching. I think I've mentioned it several times. We do coaching, consulting. And for anyone who has a small business and they really want to you know, break free to the next level, they want to have that freedom, they want to build those systems. We've been running this program for, I think, seven years now. So we've had maybe yeah. 800 entrepreneurs go through it. It has amazing results. And I can even find the numbers. But yeah, I mean, pretty much, oh, I have it right over here. So Here's our stats. I think these are pretty cool. Um, stress reduction of 34.91%. Hours reclaimed each week is 10 hours and 14 minutes of owner's time gets back. And personal income goes up by $41,248 a year. And that's the average uh, based on the survey of everyone who's gone through our program. So um, I, can't, I can't guarantee it, but if you're stressed, out of time, and your personal income isn't where you want to be, um, that's what our group coaching program is all about. Awesome. So uh, I think you can find it at workthesystem.com forward slash BCR is the starting point for jumping on these great things that Josh has given you. Thank you so much, Josh Fonger, for being with us today. Uh, Josh Fonger, workthesystem.com. It's been an honor and an education. Adam, glad to be on. Thanks a lot. You bet. For everybody listening, this has been another great episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. I thank you all so much for being here. Please, again, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win the game of business and marketing so that you can do more for your community, market, and audience. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.